You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Local, state, national man. We cover down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is uh, it is Thursday, which we often refer to as Friday Eve. Uh, so it's Friday Eve, which used to Fri-yay be, by the way, Eve. used to be Boomer's least favorite day. It did. But now it I, may change. It may change. It's, it, it's a good day. <laughs> it's been a great day so far. <laughs> so I mean, what, I mean, it feels like May out there right now. Man, the, the weather's beautiful. beautiful. We have the window open here in the studio. So if you hear bugs flying around, that's because we have the window <laughs> open in the studio. It's just gorgeous out there right yes. now. Um, all right, we got a full show for you now, and you're about to hear why it might be Boomer's new favorite day of the week. So Maybe. Three o'clock today, my friend, State Representative Mac Butler. We served together in the legislature before. He just re-ran for his old seat and got it back. So uh, State Representative Mac Butler is going to be in the studio with us. Uh, we'll yuck it up with Mac a little bit, and uh, I'll tell you about the topic he's going to be here on in just a moment. And then four o'clock today, today, we are starting with a brand new little, little kicker segment there. We're calling it Boomer and McQueen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hit that sound effect we got, the temporary it's gonna, sound effect. It's going to be good. <laughs> it's the old <laughs> Boomer and Birdman. I, I've missed it. I like it. All right, so yeah, 4 o'clock today, Boomer and McQueen. So here's the thing. I fire some questions at them, and we find out what conservative millennials think about stuff. And uh, and they may even fire questions back at me. What? what would and you can ask? I tell you? So, uh, McQueen is my wife. Yes. But uh, you have to tell me that I knew that already. So she was asking me. So what am I supposed to expect? I'm like, I'm not telling you. I'm going to win this round. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Then there's a triple dipper. We got stuff. Hit it, man. The triple dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right. The Triple Dipper, three stories you got to know as we run today's show. Number one, got to do it. Every once in a while, I see a, I see a piling on of efforts to uh, infringe upon the Second Amendment. So, yeah, live free or die. That's number one on the Triple Dipper. We'll talk about some of the latest going-ons with uh, legislative and legal activities that have an impact upon the Second Amendment. So stand by for that one. Live free or die, number one, Triple Dipper. Number two, save the rocket. Man, I think we started something yesterday, Boomer. Something, something. Oh, yes. Anyway, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about save the rocket, and 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 so somebody pointed out to me yesterday on a on a call, I believe it was, and I really appreciated them bringing this to my attention. That I believe it was a Limestone County commissioner who said, you know, I don't know if they can take that down because didn't we pass that monument legislation? Yes, we did. I helped pass it, by the way. So the Monument Preservation Act of Alabama literally says that if a monument has been in place for 40 years on public property, it cannot just be simply taken down. There has to be a legal review. A actual meeting has to take place that reviews the entire process, and there are penalties for doing it without doing so. And guess who passed that? Guess who, who was the House sponsor of that bill? My friend, Mac Butler. So uh, Mac will be in studio with us at uh, 3 o'clock, and we'll talk about Save the Rocket and the Monument Preservation Act, and does it apply? And then number three, I didn't get to it yesterday, but it's very important. Very important, y'all. You got to learn to speak the language of a liberal. 
So today I have got literally a glossary of terms that, that, that we, we have to know in order to read certain articles and understand what they're even saying because they have their own language. So yeah, learning to speak like a liberal. Oh, this is going to be a hoot. You're going to love this. All right, let me jump over to my comments here. And um, I just got to, I got to, I got to ask this. I mean, is it just me or does anyone else see the annual gathering of the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland and just get the creeps? I mean, so on the face of it all, Davos seems like nothing more than just a gaggle of world elites who have little to no elected authority over our daily lives. You know, they sit in their ivory tower bubbles and they espouse some of the most ridiculously highbrow word salads about climate change and social order. I mean, how much harm could they do, right? But yet every time I hear Klaus Schwab in his thick German accent, the leader of the World uh, uh, Economic Forum, speak, I feel certain that he is what every Bond villain aspires to be, you know? All that's missing is a gray Nehru jacket and a Persian cat for him to stroke as he calls on his army of flying sharks armed with laser-guided missiles. I mean, it almost seems comical. And yet... It still gives me that pit-of-the-stomach feeling that says, don't underestimate this. If you've ever seen any of the movies from the John Wick franchise, then you've heard about The High Table. If you're not familiar with it, John Wick is a highly skilled assassin played by Keanu Reeves who operates in the shadowy world of The High Table, an organized syndicate of underworld crime families who live like kings and they seem to secretly run everything. And within a strict set of rules, assassins like John Wick are paid in special gold coins, and they have to pledge their fealty to the high table. Well, as you watch the movie, you get the feeling the high table actually runs the world, and we just all get to live in it at their pleasure or not. And for some reason, a reason that I cannot fully place, I watched a recent news story on the World Economic Forum hosting the world's elite and celebrating their goals of world cultural change, and I thought, wow, so when does John Wick come into this story? So what is this gathering? Who or what is the World Economic Forum, and why should we care? Well, founded in 1971 by this guy, Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum was initially ostensibly designed to help European leaders understand how best to engage other Western leaders on things like commerce and trade. Well, over time, it's morphed, and it's changed from the original European Economic Forum into what we now know as the World Economic Forum, and Schwab himself has been at the helm the entire time. The prime focuses of the Davos gatherings have been networking in a weird mix of what I would call self-flagellation and adulation on issues like climate change, systemic racism, ESG, which is the Environmental, Social, and Governance, Banking, and Finance. This year's attendees include over 600 CEOs, 50 world leaders, and various celebrities. Here's a few of the speakers at Davos this year. There'll be a special address by Xi Jinping, the premier of China. There'll be an address called COVID-19, What's Next? by Dr. Anthony Fauci. There'll be a special address by Antonio Guterres, the Secretary General of the United Nations, and a real doozy called Accelerating and Scaling Up Climate Innovation with John Kerry and Bill Gates. And then a conversation with Janet Yellen, Secretary of the Treasury, who I guess is going to talk about how the U.S. economy is thriving under policies that she and Biden have perpetrated. Well, as time has gone by, the World Economic Forum Davos event has captured the imagination and suspicions of conservatives and free thinkers all over the world because they have this overly globalistic rhetoric that keeps coming out of their gatherings in Davos. For instance, in 2020, German Chancellor Angela Merkel 
preached at Davos that, here's her quote, quote, the whole way that we do business, that we live and that we have grown accustomed to in the industrial age will have to be changed. We will have to leave that behind us in the next 30 years, and we have to have come to completely new value chains. I don't know about you, but I have no desire to have the German chancellor deciding on what my, quote, new value chains are supposed to be. How about American CEO Mark Benioff of Salesforce? He's determined that companies like his own have to quit worrying about their profits. Quit talking about those pesky free markets and capitalism. In his Davos remarks, Benioff said this, quote, Capitalism as we have known it is dead. This obsession we have with maximizing profits for shareholders alone has led to incredible inequality and planetary emergency. Yeah, well, that whole thing about garnering a strong return on your shareholder investments is apparently just dead, I guess. Now, if you're catching all this, then I hope you're also catching how radical it is. And the real rub is that while many of the attendees are unelected, that they do consider themselves to be members of the real high table, and their influencers are being felt well outside the confines of the idyllic little Swiss town of Davos. The real kicker came in in the early days of the COVID pandemic. Klaus Schwab announced his advocacy for what he called the Great Reset. That's his phrase, the Great Reset. I don't like where that's going just on the basis that the guy who looks like a Bond villain is using the phrase Great Reset. It sounds like somebody elite is going to win while everybody else gets shoehorned into a lose. Fictional bad guys like Thanos in the Marvel Universe, they talk about resetting the world. Real-life bad guys like Adolf Hitler use names like The Final Solution to justify resetting society without Jews and other ethnic minorities. Well, The Great Reset is an awful name given to an awful plan that no one asked for and the average person will not benefit from. It is fully designed by the World Economic Forum as a means of seizing the effects of the COVID pandemic to further their radical agenda. It is literally, literally, a socioeconomic model based on what the World Economic Forum refers to as, quote, a stakeholder economy. It's just a fancy way of saying that the members of the corporate class of the world economies should move away from making profits. They should move away from acting like they even care about the products and services that they were founded to produce. And they should move towards ESG models that make social change and social disruption on things like green policies, entitlement programs, LGBTQ activism, and the like. They should make all of that a part of their company's real mission, regardless of what widgets or services they make or provide. So that guy Klaus, Klaus Schwab, he himself said this, quote, business leaders now have an incredible opportunity because of the pandemic, y'all. Business leaders now have an incredible opportunity. By giving stakeholder capitalism concrete meaning, they can move beyond their legal obligations and uphold their duty to society. They can bring the world closer to achieving shared goals, such as those outlined in the Paris Climate Agreement and the United Nations Sustainable Development Agenda, if they really want to leave their mark on the world. There's no alternative, said Klaus Schwab. Well, I got news. Klaus Schwab does not speak for me or for you or for any member of a free society. The very idea that he would stand up there in front of world leaders and espouse a policy that is actually being embraced by much of corporate America and many world leaders, thank you, including the Biden administration, by the way, that he would espouse a policy that would have corporations, in his words, quote, move beyond their legal obligations and, quote, uphold their duty to society. What the heck? Move beyond their legal obligations. Their duty to society? It imagines a world in which elected representative government no longer matters and that the world's unelected billionaires can sit at a high table in Switzerland and set the public policy. It's wrong. It's creepy. 
It makes the fiction of John Wick seem like reality. And I've decided not to let myself underestimate this Davos meeting anymore. And that's a wrap for The Right Side Way. I'm telling you, when you read the things that they actually say, when you hear them say it, you can watch the videos. And Klaus Schwab stands there in front of world leaders and he says, you should get beyond your legal obligations. In other words, get outside the boundaries of the law. You shall not be restrained. Do what is necessary. I'm just telling you, Bond villains ain't got nothing on him. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. You guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Uh, got some uh, reaction on the text line to the uh, the monologue just now about Davos and the World Economic Forum. Uh, Julie from Hillsborough texted in. She says she thinks uh, so to her the the quote about get beyond your legal obligations, and she said, and I believe he he said societal. I don't think it wasn't in my quote, Lee, but uh, uh, Lee or Julie, but she said uh, it means for companies to ignore the fiduciary responsibility to their stockholder. That's still bad. It doesn't matter to me. It's still bad. Uh, uh, Leanne from Huntsville, Texas, in just says Al Gore is a freakazoid. <laughs> if you haven't seen Al Gore's comments at Davos, he got pretty animated. I, somebody gave him a Red Bull and took him off his meds, and he he went at it, man. Um, all about rain bombs and the world's coming to an end. I mean, he's been killing polar bears now for who knows how long. Um, Jeremy from Huntsville just texted in and said Adolf Schwab. Okay. And... Um, and then uh, Brian from Huntsville texted in with a picture of the, the Hermes rocket down there at the corner of uh, airport in uh, the parkway. Um, all right, I got a caller of the line, boom. Um, let me do that. Is that Lee? Lee from Huntsville, how you doing? Hi, how are you? I'm uh, good. How are you? I'm good. Right side ruffian, of course. Absolutely. And I had to call in on this because this is a particular irritant for me is Klaus Schwab and He's and his ilk at Davos, um, which, by the way, he didn't go and needed George Soros. Somebody needs to be asking why not, um, which is weird, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, Klaus Schwab's father was a Nazi, and he was friends with Hitler. That's why that guy sent Adolf Schwab. Yeah. He himself. But what, what they truly are, just like Soros, who is it? I guess he's a Jew, but he does, I don't think he's a practicing Jew. I don't think he follows anything. I think it's more cultural for him, right? Or he uses it when he needs to. He actually worked with the Nazis, George Soros did, to help bring Jews into uh, being captured. I mean, he's, he's the kind of person that's just, you know, he's Emperor Palpatine, him and Klaus Schwab. <laughs> that you just want someone to come along and, like, kick him down the big hole, right? Um, so, sorry for the... The reference there, but um, I think that what people need to understand is that they, uh, Klaus Schwab and even George Soros, they don't think in terms of country like we think in terms of what's best for the United States, what's best for Americans, or we try to, right? 
a good American does that, or even say a Frenchman thinks about what's best for France. These people think on a world level, they're yeah, globalists, and that right. term just means they think about their power, their control, their wealth on a global scale. They don't think about individual countries, and they don't care about individual countries. They don't care, and what annoys them is America has too many rights that they would like to get rid of. That nasty little First Amendment right is a six in their craw. They do not like it. They certainly want to get rid of our Second Amendment, because when you look at things like, you know, these two are ancient. They're old enough to remember how they managed to, uh, you know, pull, like, say, Austria. Uh, when Germany took over Austria, they got a gun registry. Well, once they registered, later on, they came back and took all the guns. And then when the people came, there was no way to fight them. And there's no way to stop them from being taken away from their homes and killed. So the, the thing is, they don't like our rights. They don't like us. They don't think of us, or they, they do think of us as Americans, but they'd rather think of us all as global citizens under their purview, under their care. They know what's best for us, which is why the World Economic Forum put out the, the little telling thing. that they, See, they always have to tell who they are. They don't realize what makes them stumble. That's biblical. They don't know what makes them stumble, but they have to tell us who they are. It's a compulsion. And he's sitting there saying, you'll own nothing, you'll eat bugs, and you'll be happy. That's really what they think. That, that they is what they it. think. They believe it, but not them. They will be eating steak, they will be flying on jets, and they will, be, uh, they will have mobility. We will be stuck in 15-minute cities. We will be eating bugs and fake meat, you know, Bill Gates' prescription for us, and we're going to be miserable. That, and that's what they want. And Because a miserable society is so much easier to control than a free society, a happy society, a prosperous society. Everyone must hear and understand that these people don't care about you. And who do they support? Look where their money goes. That's going to tell you who's helping them. Okay, Boomer, that whole phone call right there just wow. became a podcast segment all by itself. All by itself, right there. Right there. All right. Wow, Lee. I do my best. Dang. I do my best. Dang, I'm girl. Very, I'm very serious about Klaus Schwab. I, I uh, really have a strong dislike. I, I, am, I am with you. And I don't know the guy, but I don't want to know the guy. It's one of those Me things either. where I look at him and go, he needs Jesus. Somebody, you know, is going to have to tell him. But I, but at the same time, oh, all right. Hey, Lee, we're up against a hard break. Thank you for your time again. Um, what, a, what a great call. Wow. Um, good Lord. That was. I mean, that was awesome. Just, just sitting uh, back here and just listening. Like I said, tell you what, Boomer, just make take my, um, my monologue <laughs> and tack that onto the end of it. I will. Right, just make that all one. Sweet. Man. Thank Lee. you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. Live free or die is up next. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And 
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid conservative, just plain right. Covering down on some ground across the great state of Alabama. I'm talking about way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville. Tuscaloosa back over to Gadsden. Parts of Georgia, Alabama, Georgia, of course, Alabama, Tennessee, and Mississippi <laughs> thrown in just for good measure. That's what happens when I get distracted while I'm talking and saying things that I'm used to being able to say without distraction. Right. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> hey, the uh, speaking of distractions, man, the uh, text lines. You want to text in, the number is 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. You can text that line. You can call that line. Same one. Um, so, uh, so basically Lee from Huntsville has a fan fan club. club. She has a fan club. Yes. But Lee has her own right side ruffian uh, class going on right now. Tony from Piedmont. Kudos to Lee. Spot on. Leanne from Huntsville. I want to be BFFs with Lee. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Trina from Elkmont. Can you have Lee repeat all that again? I was on the phone and missed most of it. <laughs> uh, Jerry from Meridianville. I love Lee, or I heart Lee is what he said. Uh, JT from Lacey Springs. Lee, could you be more clear? <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, all right. That's what happens when you have great listeners, when you have right-side ruffians out there who are not only sharp and conservative, they're super articulate, too. Um, so anyway. All right. Hey. Uh, moving to the first part of the Triple Dipper, live free or die. So a case um, went to the Supreme Court, and here's what happened yesterday. So, um, you know, we've been, <laughs> we've been on a winning streak right now, uh, y'all. Conservatives have with the Supreme Court. Um, we didn't get a new win. It wasn't a loss per se. It was just uh, we're not going to do that right now. So here's the deal. Um, you remember back earlier last year, um, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin was the landmark case that was decided by the uh, Supreme Court of the United States, uh, and it basically did away with draconian gun control laws that were in place in the state of New York. So, based upon the means or the manner, excuse me, in which the uh, the justices wrote their opinion, uh, the state of New York went back to the drawing board and started drawing up new ways to control um, people's uh, lives and possession of firearms and immediately had to face a lawsuit again. So the Supreme Court rejected a bid, it says here on Fox News. The Supreme Court rejected a bid by New York gun retailers on Wednesday to block a slew of new gun control laws in the state, which they argue violate their Second Amendment rights and hurt their businesses. Um, There were no dissents and no explanations. Here's what happens. The way it works is when something reaches the Supreme Court level, at first it has to be taken up. So there has to be a plurality of the judges willing to hear the arguments on this case. And they can decline to take it up, which means that basically, no, you don't get a hearing. Well, that's what happened here. So a guy named, uh, uh, I guess it's a guy, I don't know, Paloma Campana, uh, the lead attorney for the New York gun retailer, said, we're disappointed that not one of the nine justices saw fit to grant the plaintiffs some stay of enforcement of the new laws. We are challenging the ability of the state of New York to target dealers and firearms uh, in the where am I? And then fire in the lawful, lawful stream of uh, commerce to put them out of business, which is what the new laws will do. So it was unfortunate, he said, we couldn't get a grant or, of an emergency temporary injunction against those laws. All right. It doesn't mean their case is over. It means they couldn't get it enjoined at the lower level long term. They, they, they want it to be enjoined while the merits of the case go on. Well, they didn't get the injunction they wanted. Um, Wednesday's order, it says, comes one week after the high court rejected a separate bid by gun rights activists to block the Concealed Carry Improvement Act in New York. So in other words, there were two major lawsuits. 
Both uh, were denied uh, injunctive relief at the lower level, lower courts, and neither uh, were taken up by the Supreme Court to see whether they could enjoin them while they, you know, pursue the merits of the case. Anyway, this uh, particular law, the new law, uh, prohibits carrying a gun in sensitive areas such as stadiums, houses of worship, museums, parks, and other places. It imposes revised record-keeping and new safety requirements on retailers, and it mandates background checks on even ammunition purchases. Good Lord, yeah, yeah, wow. Now, that's just one. I mean, live free or die, this is, here's the deal. The fight continues, y'all. Just when you think you've won, they open up a new front. The opposition is not going to let up. They do not care that the Second Amendment is embedded in the Constitution. They want the Second Amendment to be gone. And they are not going to be satisfied until they are able to either, A, redefine the Second Amendment to meet their own version of it, or B, just do away with it. Well, good luck. However, they keep trying. Townhall.com, dated yesterday. By the way, that story about the Supreme Court, that was also yesterday. Illinois gun control law faces its first legal challenge. So you may have heard Illinois just passed a new law, House Bill 5471, which is believed by many to violate the U.S. Constitution. Go figure. It was filed on behalf of over 800 plaintiffs in downstate Illinois. The suit seeks a temporary restraining order to restore the plaintiff's constitutional right to bear arms while it proceeds to the court. Okay. It says citizens from 87 counties joined in an effort to defend their right to bear arms and to further stand up against tyrannical ways from their legislature and the governor. NBC Chicago reports that a second lawsuit was also filed against the law, claiming violations of not just the Second Amendment, but the Fifth Amendment and the Fourteenth Amendment. Um, The law bans, you ready for this? Semi-automatic sporting rifles, as well as high-capacity magazines and, quote, rapid-firing devices. Okay. Okay. Predictably, it says, firearm sales spiked at some gun stores leading up to the gun control law being put in place. Sheriffs in several parts of the state are saying they won't enforce it. Um, it's just it's basically, I mean, Boomer, I swear, you and I are gun guys. I, I, whenever I see these things, I don't think the people who, who, who are generally activists against the Second Amendment even understand firearms. They, they don't. Absolutely they don't. I, I would even uh, be... Uh, put on record to say half of them, I mean, obviously they don't have a gun because they don't even know yeah. really how to use it or even what the you know, purpose is for them. I mean, yeah, like, like they never held one. They, they don't never held one. They don't, they don't understand. And by the way, the vast majority of firearm issues are with illegal possession or, for that matter, criminal use of a firearm. It's not like, you're, I mean, you're, these bans only hurt the people who abide by the laws. Correct. I mean, so they're they're putting all that on the ones that are the law-abiding citizens, because guess what? All those criminals are going to get that gun no matter what, even if those laws are in place. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, So now they're making it hard for us to defend ourselves if that uh, arises in the future. Cold dead fingers. Ah. Okay. (laughs) Matt Gates, Representative Matt Gates, congressman from Florida, uh, introduced a bill. Story here on Fox News, dated... Yesterday, I told you this is all new stuff, y'all. Matt Gates introduces a bill to abolish the ATF. <laughs> now, now, first of all, I will tell you, it's not going to happen. Um, this is a shot across the bow. This is, a, this is literally a, um, uh, basically putting the smack down in a public way against an organization or, an, or, a, or a regulatory body, a uh, branch of government, really. Um, 
it's not going to pass. But what it does is it gives him the ability to go to the podium and make noise. He gets to use his bully pulpit. Um, and I don't, I don't fault him for it. I'm just saying, don't anybody out there get excited. They're doing away with the ATF. No, they're not. Um, Representative Matt Gates introduced a bill to eliminate the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms following a controversial ruling that tightens regulations on pistol-stabilizing braces. So here's the deal. Um, just this past week, I believe it was, the ATF came out with new regulations that if you use what's called a pistol brace, which, which is basically it's, or like a forearm brace, it's, it's something that you can, I've never used one, but I've seen them, where you can actually mount your, your, your pistol on it and, and, and then it has an extended arm that you can brace against your bicep or you can even put it up against your shoulder. Some say that it's, it's, it's a, a means by which uh, handicapped folks can go to the range and be able to shoot in a more controlled manner because they, don't have to have, they can't have both hands or they don't have control with one arm or something. Uh, that's one. The other is, so what? It, it's, it's just a cool thing that gives you the ability to, you know, brace your pistol while you're shooting it. I'm not sure how this saves lives. But the ATF that regulates certain firearms through what's called the National Firearms Act, and those are things like short-barreled weapons, which are illegal, which is another story in itself, short-barreled weapons, uh, automatic weapons, and suppressed weapons or suppressors themselves. They're all controlled through the National Firearms Act. The ATF has to give you licensing authority to have them. You have to get the stamps basically on your, you know, the, to, to be allowed to have them. Um, okay, so now when you put a brace on a pistol, they've decided that qualifies it as a short-barreled rifle, and therefore they can block you from having it. And it becomes a felony because you now have a short-barreled rifle without the consent of the ATF. What? Okay, that's where we are, folks. Anything and everything they can do to dismantle gun ownership, they're going to do it. So Gates introduced uh, House Resolution 374, the Abolish the ATF Act, saying that their most recent ruling from the ATF was the final straw. His words, he says, the continued existence of the ATF is increasingly unwarranted based on the actions they're taking to convert law-abiding people into felons. He says, my bill would abolish the ATF. If that doesn't work, we're going to try defunding the ATF. If that doesn't work, we're going to target the individual bureaucrats at the top of the ATF. And if that doesn't work, we're going to take a meat cleaver to the statutes the ATF believes broadly authorize their actions. Um, all right. So, first of all, I don't have a true beef with the ATF. But I have a beef with bureaucrats who make decisions that are best done by the legislative bodies. I don't believe the ATF had the authority to reclassify weapons in this capacity. Uh, and so I'm, I'm curious to see whether they could stand up under legal scrutiny with this one. And we'll see. Uh, what else I got here? Well, you'll be happy to know that Colorado, the land of, uh, you know, legalized recreational marijuana, um, at the very least has people out there that still love their firearms. <laughs> I'm not sure I should have put those in the same paragraph. <laughs> legalized uh, marijuana and, and firearms. firearms. Yeah. It's all good, man. <laughs> Wow. Uh, yeah, okay. Anyway, the Rocky Mountain Gun Owners Club, a Colorado Second Amendment advocacy group, is lying in wait. They got rumors. There's a draft bill that was leaked out in the state legislature, and the Rocky Mountain Gun Owners Club caught wind of it. The bill is sponsored by three Democrats. Go figure. It was leaked to the Rocky Mountain Gun Owners Club by what they called an unlikely ally. I'm not sure what that means. 
The bill would, quote, prohibit a person from possessing, manufacturing, importing, purchasing, selling, offering to sell, or transferring ownership of an assault weapon. And the bill then defines what an assault weapon is. Are you ready for this? Yes. (laughs) An assault weapon is a semi-automatic rifle that has the capacity to attach a detachable magazine and has one or more of the other following characteristics. It could have a pistol grip. It could have a feature capable of functioning as a protruding grip. I don't know what that means. It could have a folding stock that could enhance the ability to conceal the weapon. What the frick? I mean, a folding stock now make Okay. A flash suppressor. Okay. Pretty much almost every rifle has some version of a, of a flash suppressor. Anyway. A functional grenade launcher. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and hazard a guess that if you've got if you got a grenade launcher if you got a weapon with a grenade launcher you're in an entirely different category and you don't need to be in a state that has recreational marijuana um, <laughs> has a shroud attached to the barrel has a threaded barrel a threaded barrel threaded barrel I mean so if I got a one nine twist on my AR in, in the, my chrome lined barrel it's automatically taboo in Colorado why Okay. Um, a semi-automatic rifle that has a fixed large-capacity magazine. Well, pray mm. tell. What is a large-capacity magazine? I think a large-capacity magazine is, for them, a magazine, period. <laughs> Any type of That's magazine. That's right. Take me to a break, brother. We'll do that. We'll come right back and wrap this up. You might be curious, is there a city in the South that just became a sanctuary city for firearms? <laughs> yes, there is. And what are they saying is the next role that libs need to take to prevent gun uh, possession? Well, it has to deal with buying bullets. I'll tell you about it when we get back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, is solid, conservative, just plain right. Uh, can't even get to all the text messages coming in. Um, my, my word. And then uh, John from Huntsville did say, grenade launcher. <laughs> That's how I can get rid of that old trashy rocket. He doesn't like the rocket, John from Huntsville. No, he does not. <laughs> uh, just, I'm, I'm disappointed, John. I just, John, I'm, I'm, giving, I'm giving you a grade today then. How about that? <laughs> John, John sends us a grade every day. Phil, you got a C- minus today. Okay. I don't know what I did wrong, but okay. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, the, Brian from Huntsville, no firearms in a house of worship by law. I foresee signs on church instances. We reserve the right to refuse services. <laughs> I don't see. That's a good point. Um, all right. Hey, listen, uh, it's kind of interesting to me as we talk about second amendment, live free or die. As we talk about second amendment and the efforts to either preserve and or, you know, do away with the second amendment rights around the nation. Uh, there are cities like Lynchburg, Virginia. That just a few few days ago, uh, according to uh, local station WSET up in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, um, that declared themselves a Second Amendment sanctuary city for Second Amendment rights. That's that's interesting. Kind of a swipe back at all of those lib cities that want to have you know sanctuary cities for illegal immigration or what. 
By the way, I don't hear anybody passing a new resolution to be a sanctuary city for illegal immigration these days. <laughs> anyway, it says Lynchburg's new city council voted Tuesday evening in favor of being a Second Amendment sanctuary city. The final vote was five to two. According to the agenda for the session, the topic was only supposed to be discussed but not voted on. But then a councilman made a motion to go ahead and vote on it. Another one seconded it. And all five of the Republicans on the council supported it. Um, but the uh, the mayor and one other councilwoman fired back saying it was unnecessary and it was a waste of taxpayer dollars. And I'm just saying thanks for taking a stand, Lynchburg. Appreciate you. Um, but here's a story from a, uh, nope, not AL.com, USA Today. You can tell it's a thick one. Wow, a lot of paper in that one. So USA Today took, how many pages is this? They took five pages to tell us why bullet sales are the reason why mass shootings occur. Okay. It says on December 28th, the story came out, by the way, just, uh, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, America's mass shootings are as much about the, quote, free trade of bullets, the free trade of bullets, do they understand that when it's not against the law, the free market is what we're a part of? Free trade of bullets. America's mass shootings are as much about the free trade of bullets as they are about gun sales. And then they reference the Uvalde, Texas shooting that killed 19 children and two teachers. They say the gunman in the 2022 assault in Uvalde armed himself with more than 1,000 rounds of ammunition after spending about $5,000 on guns and bullets and gear. And he only fired 142 rounds inside the school. He had enough bullets to do more damage. Well, okay, you still have to reload. <laughs> and so I am not trying to mitigate or minimize the impact of the Uvalde shooting. I'm not mocking that, not at all. But I, but I will mock this kind of ridiculous transference. Transference is when you take one thing unrelated and you, and you, and you say that it it's impacts this thing over here in order to justify your positions or your feelings. Well, we're not allowing transference in that regard. You can't go ahead and say, well, he was allowed to buy bullets. The whole world buys bullets. He, he could have done more if he had loaded more. He didn't load them. And he goes on to say, bullets, lots of bullets. He says, every, the article says, every year billions of bullets are sold in the U.S., making bullet sales a booming business. A recent trade report estimated that the global small caliber ammunition market is expected to reach $11.3 billion by 2030. So we're not there yet, but they want you to know that seven years from now, it's going to be an $11 billion industry. Why does that matter to Tanal? Mm. After a mass shooting, public attention inevitably returns to debate on control of guns. But with shooters so often stocked up on ammunition to kill as many as possible, many are left. Do they not understand? And by the way, I appreciate the fact that when you, when you get a few of the counterpoints finally going in this article, that the points are made, and I'll make them too. When you go to a gun range to practice, you burn rounds. You, you, you do. It's, it ain't nothing to go to the gun range, and depending upon what you're shooting that day, but to burn a couple hundred rounds. So if you're going to burn a couple hundred, but you don't want to have none left at the house, you got to buy, buy four or five hundred, a thousand. Depends on what level of batches they sell them in. Then you find sales where like, oh, I can't pass that up. I got no ill intent, but I think I'll buy that thousand rounds. Well, they're looking right now at ways in different states to restrict ammunition sales, even requiring background checks. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even get to all of it, Boomer. Up against the break. Y'all stay tuned. Coming right back, Matt Butler, representative on the air. We'll be right back.
all you right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams, live from the Right Side Studios, the local, the state, the national man. We cover down on all the issues, and like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, uh, State Representative Mac Butler will be joining us here in the studio momentarily, and when he does, uh, we'll get him on the air. In fact, <laughs> there he is rushing in the door right now. <laughs> I can see you on the screen, dude. How are you, man? Good to see you. I texted him a minute ago. I'm telling you on you right now, brother. I texted him a minute ago. He goes, oh, I'm supposed to be there with you. <laughs> Hang on. Get your, get your microphone. Just settle down. All right. Everybody catch your breath. We're back on. Hey, Mac. How are you, sir? I'm good, my brother. How are you doing? Thank hey, you for the reminder. No, no worries. Hey, listen, um, by the way, I will just say uh, State Representative Mac Butler has been my friend Mac for many years. And um, I, I literally just I became a member of the local Republican Party because of you. That's right. I um, recruited you. You did. And uh, later on, I became a state senator. Soon thereafter, you became a state representative. We both served in Montgomery together. Um, but uh, proud to call you friend, and I'm also Absolutely. proud you're back in the legislature. Proud to be uh, back. You, you took Thank a, you for your support. You took a short hiatus. Uh, I and, did, and, and then and then could, basically looked around and said, "I'm getting back down there." Could not stay away, right? Uh, and by the way, they they changed your district number though. Your house district twenty eight. Twenty eight now. This time I have Craig Ford's old district, okay. and then Gil Isbell. I have um, Gadsden, Atala, Rainbow City, Gallant, and Ivaly. Okay. I had never represented Gadsden or Atala before. Well, uh, beautiful district. Good it folks. is. Great folks. Good folks. Well, your, your family's got a great name around here anyway. It wasn't like you were an unknown to those people because you were basically right next door. But uh, I grew up in Gadsden, graduated Gadsden High School, started our business in Gadsden. Connie and I own a lot of property in Gadsden, so we're heavily invested in the community. Well, uh, we appreciate you being here today. Glad you got me here. So here's the thing, uh, Mac, uh, you are, and I'm, I'm going to bring you up to speed. So this show has got a ton of listeners. We're, we're syndicated across the entire northern half of the state. And the other day, it came to our attention that Lee Sintel, who is the uh, director of tourism for the state of Alabama, you know that big, you know that big Saturn One B rocket at the rest stop up and there. I love it on sixty five. Sixty five. I'm coming in. One of the first things you see is you come in Alabama from Tennessee. Well, they're talking about taking it down. They're talking about the idea of of, of it maybe having outlived its, um, I don't know about usefulness, but at least outlived its uh, capacity to continue being there. And and I've got listeners, by the way, who are all over that uh, in itself because everybody loves the rocket. Well, everybody except for John from Huntsville. (laughs) But anyway, everybody loves the rocket. And then I had a listener call in and say, Phil, I believe one of the Limestone County commissioners had a good point that this may actually be protected by the Monument Protection Act. And I went, wait a minute. How did I forget this? I was in Montgomery when we passed the Monument sure Protection Act, Preservation Act. You I'm were, sorry. You were part of it. And then the more I thought about it, I went, wait a minute. That was my friend Mac Butler's bill. Yep, I was a House sponsor. Jared Allen was the Senate sponsor. All right, well, let's break it down. We almost have two discussions that we're going to turn into one. Okay. Because that, that rocket has been there now for 43 years, almost 44. So 
let's go back to the, the Monument Preservation Act. It would technically be potentially protected. Describe the act. I would believe it would, but intentionally, by design, if it, anything was over 40 years, there is no recourse whatsoever. And it was intentionally done that way. It you know protected Confederate monuments, but it also protected civil rights monuments, street names, school names. Yeah. Um, there, there was a, an authority we put together for stuff younger than that that you could appeal to and go through. But if it was over 40 years old, there absolutely is no recourse. Now, what the courts interpreted with the Birmingham deal, you remember the attorney general said the, the fine was $25,000 a day and it yeah. went to court. And it was, it's actually only the one twenty five thousand in there. But so they came out of that and basically... I don't like the ruling they had, but they said if you pay the $25,000 fine, you could remove it. That was the judicial branch's interpretation. But by design, there was no recourse. There, there, basically, we left no court, and that was intentional. You know, Paul Bear Bryant Jr. worked with, with, with on this bill, and his attorneys actually helped on it. But the design was to—history is history. Yeah. And, and everybody knows Huntsville's a rocket city, and I love that when you come in there. Yeah. You know you're back home when you see the rocket. That's exactly right. But, so, but I would think you are 100% right that it most likely is protected. Yeah, so as to the Alabama Monument Preservation Act, which was enacted in 2017, I recall, um, if you got something that has been, and what I read last night, and I've got a copy of it here, is if it has stood for 40 years or more on public property, which a rest stop would be, um, then it cannot be, like you That's said, right. just, just arbitrarily taken down. Now, there may be an issue with safety or some kind of, you know, no, no means by which or a natural disaster occurs sure. or whatever. But, but yeah, you're right. And, it, by the, and by the way, this bill, and I was there for the debates uh, in the Senate where I was at. Uh, we had uh, Senator Gerald Allen from Tuscaloosa carried mm -hmm. it in the Senate, and you carried it in the House. Right. Um, and my recollection was there was all the fuss and the furor. We're trying to help preserve Confederate monuments and racist monuments. But the reality is nothing in the bill says only Confederate monuments. Right. It's any monument. That's correct. And it it could be a Martin Luther King statue. Yes, all the civil rights monuments and street names, school names are protected as well. Well, and, and it, it does. Because all that was over 40 years old when we did it. And, and Yeah. And I don't remember where the 40 years came from or how that came about. I, but. I, I believe we, we went back wanting to make sure we got anything to do with the civil rights covered so that it could not be removed because you never know what. Okay. You know, we're not divided in Alabama. The media tries to tell you we're divided. Yeah. We're all on the same team. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and history, like you said, is history. You can't do away with it, and you can't just tear down a statue and pretend that something didn't happen. Right. But by tearing down a statue, you are also tearing down references that people still need to pay attention to. Sure. Um, all right. So that being said. Are you going to get rid of all the history books? Well, yeah. That's the. You know, that's, we've got wars in there. That's wars, next on the list. Bad, yeah. Um, well, they are getting rid of books anyway. We know that already. But, all right, so uh, let me ask you this. When that was going on, how much heat did you take for carrying that bill? Uh, actually got the opposite. Lots of encouragement because people don't want history torn down. Yeah. The day, it was April 27th because it was my birthday that uh, on Tornado Day. Mm. But uh, the day that I passed it in the House of Representatives is the day they were taking the monuments down in New Orleans. So there was a lot of passion yeah. on both sides, but it really – was very one-sided. Everybody, for the most part, was was good with this. In the Senate, it, as I recall, the um, the minority party, I think it was Singleton, made the move, and uh, I went to um, John Knight in the House and asked him if he wanted to make the motion to concur, and he agreed to do it in there to show. So it wasn't all bad. You could pull up the, you know, 
pull up the journal and, and see that, yeah. that, that I went to him. Um, I'm trying to remember we did, um, we needed to correct something and we got an executive amendment from the governor to tweak something on the bill. And that way we did it. And both chambers went to the minority leader one of, one of, and asked them, would they like to, to get in and have ownership on it? And they did. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool because they were opposed to the bill, but then they came back. And um, I remember John Knight asking his John party. John Knight, a Democrat, member of the Black yes, Caucus in the right, House. Asking them uh, that served honorably in Vietnam. Yep. Um, but he asked his party to support it, and they did. Well, okay. Uh, let me ask you this before we move on to the rocket, and we may wind up coming back after the break talking about the rocket. But when, in, in terms of the Monument Preservation Act itself, um, have you gotten calls? Did you ever get calls from like other states saying, hey, man, let's talk about your bill. We might want to do that here. Did that ever happen? I have not. I've gotten well, calls from around the state with a lot of concerns about things, mainly with the names of streets and schools, yeah. such, such as that, where now, you know, we're offended by everything. I, I was talking to some people today. And if you'll remember when we were kids, there was a famous uh, Oscar Mayer hot dogs. Yeah. Their jingle was what kind of kids eat armor hot dogs. It was fat kids, skinny kids, kids that climb on rocks, tough kids, sissy kids, even kids with chicken pox. Could you imagine the woke crowd? They, they <laughs> called me skinny. They called me fat. You know, but, but really, I mean, we're getting so offended by everything. Yeah. But we walk around as kids and we sing that day in and day out. But so much we've, we've gotten so soft. That's a whole segment by itself. Yes, it is. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I could spend the next hour just talking about that. We do that quite a bit on the show, by the way. We we have we have a regular segments where we cover woke culture. In fact, later in the show, I've got a whole segment on how to speak liberal. Um, so I'll I'll make sure you get a copy of the glossary. It might help you on the floor of the house. Um, so uh, all right, um, the bill got a ton of attention. I mean, if anybody Google's right now, like I did last night, getting ready for the show, Alabama Monument Preservation Act. Everything seems to center around Confederate monuments. It does. Are you aware of any, like, non-Confederate monuments that have been protected by this legislation? I'm not aware of anyone trying to take down anything other than that. Yeah. It, it's all been one-sided. And, and just back to how popular it was, the day that the governor's office texted me that she had signed the bill, because we were a little concerned that maybe she wouldn't, but she did. Right. Uh, I put it on Facebook, and it was shared, I think, 1,100 and something times wow. when I did it post but so most people preserve history, preserve our history books. A lot of history is not that great for as you know, the touchy good, feel good, but it's history. Yeah. We, we, we need to know that. Slavery was horrible, but this was nothing about celebrating slavery. Actually, you and I are one of the few people that know the Democrats put those monuments up. The party of slavery is the Democrat party. The party of the Ku Klux Klan is the Democrat party. Yeah. And we laughed because it was us Republicans that saved the history. We don't want to burn books. We don't want to tear down monuments. We don't want to, the name of Emma Sansom or here locally, we have Emma Sansom. You know, we had Emma Sansom high school. We had general forest middle school. Now we went, we combined the three high schools together, but those were, were never offensive they're just historical figures. Yeah, they were not offensive until they were offensive. Yeah. I mean, look at our military bases um, named after so many Confederates, but there's more Confederate monuments up north than there are in the south. Well, brother, we got to take a break right now. We'll, we'll come right back, though. And, folks, so listen, uh, because of uh, my friend here, Representative Mac Butler, um, you are one of the only states in the nation that actually has a Monument Preservation Act. So when you see statues being torn down in other places, um, it doesn't happen randomly here. Are there issues? Certainly. Are there city councils that decide they're going to do what they want to do? Sometimes. 
But the reality is you do have a law in place that has some teeth in it. We'll talk about it more in terms of a rocket. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. You guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. Bill Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama, solid conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Uh, right back in studio right now with my friend, State Representative Mac Butler from uh, House District 28. Yes, sir. Because it changed, because I'm used to you being something different. But uh, anyway, House District 28 uh, in the state legislature. Um, uh, Mac uh, has, has been um, very involved, was very involved with the passage he was the House sponsor of the Monument Preservation Act. Well, now we're talking about saving the rocket. So, so my audience, Mac, has gotten real engaged on this. And, and, and we've already got, like, Sandy from Harvest. This is our text line over here. Sandy from Harvest has texted in saying, thank you so much uh, for covering this topic. Uh, what about the statue at the courthouse? That's a, different, that's a different category. That one wrapped up in legal proceedings for a while. They did pay the fine, I believe, at Madison right. County Courthouse. Um, uh, lots of issues involved with that. There are nuances, and there's people that did and didn't uh, follow the law. In this particular case, here we are talking about it well in advance, Mac. We've got um, a Saturn 1B. There's only three of them that were ever made. One's on display right now at Kennedy Space Center. The other one's on display at the um, Space Rocket Center in Huntsville. And then there's the third one, which stands at the rest stop. So Lee Sintel, I told you a minute ago, Lee Sintel, who's the director of tourism for the state of Alabama, he recently came out an article on AL.com. Uh, saying he believes it's uh, deteriorated to the point that it's uh, no longer viable and needs to be taken down. It would be too expensive to repair. He says a million dollars, maybe, just to even take it down and clean it. But, you know, I've got right here another one of our listeners, uh, Edward. Thank you for this. Uh, And, Edward, I don't know where you're from or I'd say, but anyway, Edward sent me not only the link but the cost. They're redoing that entire um, rest stop. I think it's basically being knocked down and rebuilt. $5.9 a uh, million dollars to build a rest stop. Um, I hope it's a good one. <laughs> I hope it's on par with Bucky's is what I hope. But uh, anyway, 5.9 million public dollars, but no plan for the rocket right now. Um, I do have another listener, uh, Mark, who's, by the way, his email starts with the word rocket relics. I won't say the rest of it because I don't want to give away his email address. But uh, So I'm assuming that he's very involved he says the first stage of this rocket is real. It's a real 1B. The upper stage is actually a mock-up, he says, because the other one's being used at the Space at Rocket Center in a Skylab exhibit. I didn't know that. Only two other Saturn 1Bs in existence. And he says, and he sounds authoritative. I don't know. Mark, if you want to call in, you're welcome to it. He says it's incorrect that these cannot be maintained in a vertical orientation. These rockets are an engineering marvel. They were instrumental in the development of the Saturn V and the Skylab. It's tragic this vehicle is not maintained by the state. It's been allowed to deteriorate uh, and that removal or destruction is even being considered. So, and he also said it's, also, it's largely aluminum, so it's not rusting away, he said. It might just be corroded. Right. Um, so let me ask you, Mac, uh, as a state legislator um, and the guy who authored the bill, 
So you think this rocket may, at least arguably, It does qualify. sound, from what you said, it does sound like there is grounds to consider it as, as, the, as such. Do you, do you know what the process is for jumping in there and saying cease and desist? I mean, is, there's, a, there's a commission that was formed. Yes, but it was only to, to handle the ones that were younger. Okay. So it's not like you can write to a commission and say, tell them to stop. Yeah, this one was by design. We wanted no recourse whatsoever, no court. Okay. Circuit court couldn't jump in on this. Uh, And and even if this was a money issue, I guarantee you got listeners right here that would contribute to save that rocket. Well, that that may be coming. (laughs) We we may have a save the rocket fund generator. That would be easy for the public. If it's like I bet that people like seeing that that people would give $10, $100, whatever, and you could easily raise the million. But aluminum does not rust, like you said. Yeah, you would know. Yeah, but, um, but it's, it's. I don't know. that. <laughs> I, I wonder if the governor is even aware of this whole conversation yet, because I, I don't think the governor signed this bill. I don't think she'd be for that. Uh, no, I don't think she would either. Um, but whether she's aware or not, I don't know. I, I, I almost feel like Lee Sintel was sort of speaking out of school. here. Right. That's what, that's what I'm wondering. If the governor knows this, we shut it down real quick. And they may hear this whole conversation and it may get taken care of that way real well, quick. Well, I, I think the other thing we have to look at, though, and here's and, and folks, for y'all listening right now, one of the things that has to be determined, I, my in, in one of the resources that I pulled for today's show, um, I, I don't know for a fact that whether this Saturn one was given to the state of Alabama or is technically considered to be on loan from the Space and Rocket Center, because it, it came from the Space and Rocket Center. In fact, I believe, yeah, here it is, um, one news source uh, called Local Today News, which actually comes out of Ardmore, uh, WAFF actually, um, says the U.S. Space and Rocket Center donated the rocket, and Saturn 1B has been on display since 1979. Uh, it's one of three. Um, anyway, if it was a donation, that means the state owns it. Right. If it was a, and, and, and then the state would certainly be responsible. If it was a, a loan with perpetual care attached to it, then we have to decide who legally can say yay or nay it comes down. And if it comes down, where does it go? Um, I, I'm willing to take it at my house. <laughs> I'd, I'd be the coolest kid in the neighborhood with that uh, thing in the yard. I, I got news. I've, I've been to your house and you do have a big backyard, but I'm not sure this will quite work. <laughs> uh, but every kid in the neighborhood would love you. That's for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm not so sure your neighbors would appreciate it. Um, well, all right, more to come on this. Uh, and we are up against a hard break right now, but, um, uh, Mac, I'm going to be honest with you. We're, we're going to be, we're going to be sort of raising the specter of saving the rocket over the days to come. And, and, you know, I'm not going to ask you to go on the record right now, but I'll just tell you, uh, as somebody who I know personally, who has an interest in preserving monuments and history, um, you may be hearing from us again. Absolutely. I would be there with you. No, no sweat. All right, brother. All right, that's State Representative Mac Butler. He's the guy that's preserving your history in the state of Alabama, serving in the state house. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. You guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Hey, um, it, it's good to have Mac in studio. Um, and before I go any further, too, I got to pause and I got to tell you guys, uh, ZLA Solutions, which has been with us since the beginning of this show a year and a half ago, over a year and a half ago now. But ZLA Solutions is just, I mean, doing an amazing job right now at putting jobs and people together. So if you're looking for employment, if you're one of those right now who either needs a new job or a job or a second job, look at their website, ZLAUSA.com. They've got jobs posted all over the northern part of our state and really beyond. But, um, but yeah, check out their website. You'll see postings. But if you're an employer and you need to fill out the ranks of your own workforce, that's, that's, that's their bread and butter, man. I mean, they do things like quality control, sorting and containment, logistics, warehousing, all that stuff. But their, their true bread and butter is staffing. Temp or direct hire, blue collar, white collar, no collar, don't matter. They can do the recruiting, the background checks, the drug testing if necessary. And yes, they can fill out the ranks of your workforce in onesies and twosies or a whole shift. So they just had the best year they've ever had. Um, and and I, I, I think it's because they are just so good at what they do. So check them out. If you need help with staffing, it's ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA. Dot com. Folks, I know personally, and I would appreciate, by the way, if you would tell them you heard it on Right Side Radio. Um, okay, I got some text coming in. Uh, Steve from Huntsville um, says, about 1964, I gave 50 cents as a fourth grader to save the uh, SS Alabama. Said I carried a card in my wallet till I was about age 55 that I got for the contribution. I think there was a statewide <laughs> fund drive among school kids to save the ship. That's very cool. That is cool. That is very cool. Um uh, Frank from Madison Structurally he says the rockets were designed So that the tanks needed to be filled To be rigid enough to support the upper stages And I'll, Okay, I'm not sure what the point is But I guess what he's saying is they are structurally sound um, yeah, Well, I guess Yeah, that, that makes sense uh, Tony from Piedmont He says the 1B was just for orbit around Earth Testing the docking procedures to get a lunar lander on the moon Okay, that still makes it historic Still awesome Yeah, it's still awesome Um <laughs> Frank from Huntsville says, hopefully the word Saturn does not offend anyone. I don't know why. <laughs> As opposed to Uranus. But uh, um. there, I just said it. Okay. Um, <laughs> just, just gather you yourself did. now, you Boomer. Did. Gather uh. yourself. <laughs> gather yourself. Uh, Roger from Ardmore. Alabama's so woke they're going to trade. No, I'm not going down that road. I'm not. I'm not. I can't read that without Roger. I am sorry. Um, but uh, and then... Uh, Oh, okay. John from Huntsville, who is our only Grinch on this thing. So, <laughs> so far, John from Huntsville is the only Grinch. He says, Phil, I make money taking scrap metal to the recycling center, so the rocket needs to come down so I can cut it up and take it to the recycling center. And right now, I get $750 per 100 pounds of steel. No, oh, John. Yeah. How about just freaking no, you Grinch? It's wow. okay, John. Yeah. Dang. I didn't even get to all of these. Um, I mean, they're, they're, there's I, a lot. There's so many. Uh, by the way, new texter on the line. Welcome to Amy from Rainbow City. We're glad you're with us, Amy from Rainbow City. By the way, people don't realize why Rainbow City got his name. Bit of trivia for you. Hmm. Because I'm I'm a history buff, but Ra- Rainbow City, Alabama, named because of the Rainbow Division of the uh, the, the 42nd Infantry Division that in World War One, Alabama had a major part in. And so, yeah, Rainbow City, Alabama, named in honor of the Rainbow Division. Uh, it was named that because it had um, the first true 
you know, uh, amalgam of former National Guard units from all over the nation. So they combined them together in one big melting pot, called it the Rainbow Division. If you look at their patch, it's a half rainbow. A half rainbow because it used to be a full rainbow, and they lost so many men in World War I that um, uh, they actually cut the patch in half. And it's still worn to this day by the 42nd Division out of the uh, New York National Guard. Um, also, by the way, Alabama had a huge part in major battles in World War I because of the 167th Infantry, which was a part of the Rainbow Division. And so to this day, there's a Rainbow Division uh, viaduct bridge in Birmingham. There's a statue outside of uh, um, uh, Central Station, uh, Grand Central Station down in uh, Montgomery. Uh, there's a statue on the battlefield at Croix Rouge Farm in France to the Alabamians of the 167th Infantry who turned the tide of that battle. Um, and I was proud to be the commander of the, um, the first of the 167th, uh, which still exists in the Alabama National Guard. Uh, so there, I, I'm full of trivia for you today, but I got a caller on the line. Let me jump over there real quick. Jeff from Indiana. Jeff Rowe, how you doing, man? Doing great, Phil. Good. What's on hey, your mind, uh, bud? Let's make this rocket restoration a, a competition of sorts. Uh, you got SpaceX, you've got uh, Blue Horizon and Virgin Galactic, uh, all these billionaires and everything. Sell them, say, hey, you know, if you'd like to restore this rocket down here and, uh, you know, for a little publicity and, and, and maybe even a chance to, uh, Put uh, one of your mock-ups uh, next to it, you know, as a display of, of old and new. Wow. Uh, I think it would be taken care wow. of pretty quick. That's you know, a good idea. You know, Blue I mean, Horizon has a, uh, has a, actually has a, um, a facility in, uh, in Huntsville. Um, well, there you go. That's, uh, I, we can put a Blue Horizon rocket mock-up right next to the old one and uh, show the difference between old and new. I'm huh. just, I'm digging this. I this like is, it. This is getting bigger by the day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Jeff, uh, you're in. You are now the uh, you're now the sub chairman for the uh, for the, uh, the the bringing in of the second rocket. How about that? Well, yeah. I mean, just need to have somebody contact these people, and, and like I say, it uh, you got all these billionaires in competition with each other. Uh, you know, let, let's go for some publicity. I mean, I'm, they're all publicity hounds. So, uh, I like it. All right, man. We'll uh, we'll see where it goes. Jeff, you on the road today? Yep, I'm almost to Bucky's. <laughs> <laughs> the other landmark on the border. <laughs> exactly, with all the billboards to show where it's at. <laughs> That's exactly right. Get you some beaver nuggets and keep going. All right, man, you have a great day. Appreciate you, Jeff. Um, yeah, wow. Uh, JT from uh, Lacey Springs says Grinch. <laughs> 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 just, just saying. And then uh, Mike from Athens, and uh, I think he was just talking about that last conversation. Says, That's a great idea. I think it's a good idea. I mean, yeah. how cool would that be? Old and new. Sandy from Harvard. I like it. I like I the like old it. and new thing. I, I like it a lot, Boom. I mean, I think that's, I, I think this may be something here. I mean, they're already redoing the whole uh, rest stop anyway for five point. What million dollars? Yeah, four point nine. Oh, four point nine. Well, I mean, if that's going to look that nice, which it should, then we might as well have a, a you know restored old rocket. Hang on, you were correct. Five point nine. Five point nine. Five point yeah. nine. So it better be nice. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then then you could have the new rocket there too. Ain't nobody better have to wait in no line to go to the restroom <laughs> there be, at a be place that costs five point nine million dollars. I mean if Bucky's can run you in and out of there and get gas and sell beaver nuggets, <laughs> then sure to God we can build something that's five point nine million dollars where there's enough urinals for everybody traveling down I sixty five. I'm just saying. There you go. And it better be well stocked with toilet paper. Are I'm they? just saying. Yes, absolutely. And I'm tired of these little drab uh, snack machines. I mean, get some real stuff in there. Oh, By yeah. golly. Come on. Sell some souvenirs. Ah, gum it. Yeah. Tennessee has the best rest stops. Rocket I think. souvenirs. I like I mean, Sweet. All right, let's do this. Uh, I tell you what, Boomer, we're going to take the break about a minute and a half to two minutes early. We're going to do that right now, get it out of the way, come right back, wrap this thing up with the Alabama Memorial Preservation Act uh, and heading down the road of what does it mean to save the rocket. And we're going to start getting official on this. I'm going to reach out to some folks at Space and Rocket Center. I actually had breakfast or, or coffee with somebody yesterday who I think might be a resource that I'm going to be calling. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, top of the hour, by the way, Boomer and McQueen. Y'all stay tuned. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. Yeah, that's right. Making it cool to be a conservative. Um, all right, hey, we're gonna jump right back in, and I, I believe I got a caller. The text lines, apparently, the Save the Rocket thing has got legs, dude. It does. Like hashtag Save the Rocket may become the next viral thing. And we were just talking in between the break of like, all right, let's get this thing rolling. I was on the phone. I actually got on the phone and tried to reach a friend of mine who I believe is affiliated with the board at the Space and Rocket Center. I'm just saying we're going to we're gonna find <laughs> a way to crack this nut. Um, but I got a caller on the line, uh, James from Somerville. James, how you doing? Hey, Phil, right side ruffian. Outstanding. Hey, an idea of, yeah, next to the uh, vending machines, what we need to do is like they used to have in the zoo. Those little wax figurines that you could buy, we should have the old and new, all the different rockets, different colors. You drop in your five bucks, and every kid that stops off is going to have to get one. And you're now advertising, and you're getting a lot more folks coming through that rest stop. I'm digging it. So we we have a rocket tchotchke. Every kid's going to want it. It's a collector's item. you got to get all the colors. And so mom and dad keep having to come to the rest stop. <laughs> yeah, and better yet, you get SpaceX involved, and they'll be doing 3D printing on site for you. Oh, see? Or, or for that matter, I just get Boomer involved. He's got the whole laser th- engraver thing here. He'll have something going on pretty soon, too, I'm sure. Um, hey, James, I like this thought, man. We're, we're brewing ideas. We're, we're in spitball phase right now, but I like it. Thanks for the call. You bet. All right. Text lines blew up, too. I mean, I was going to talk more about the Memorial Preservation Act, but people are just digging the whole rocket conversation. They're digging uh, it. I'm saying. Alif Mathens, save the rocket, in all caps. Um, Bama from Grant uh, says, the Blue Origin rocket looks too much like, uh, I won't say what, and I'm going to leave that up to nobody to read on my air. Okay. <laughs> Jim from Madison says, why is this so hard? It's not rocket surgery. Oh, wait, never mind. 
Okay, Jim. <laughs> I, I see what you did there. Um, Paul from Huntsville. Uh, this says Blue Origin. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. We, we see. Mer- Jerry from Meridianville says, Jeff Bezos owns Blue Origin. A million bucks is pocket change for him. Great idea, Jeff from Indiana. So Jerry from Meridianville, shout out to Jeff from Indiana. Uh, Leanne from Huntsville. She says, uh, gosh, I'd choose living next to a restaurant opposed to a golf course. I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> she also says she wants to go for a ride in Jeff's truck. So there's that. Um, Brian from Huntsville. Does Jeff want to go on stage with Elton John singing Rocket Man? <laughs> Jeff's, Jeff's getting all the responses today. Yeah, he is. Uh, Dustin from Hazel Green. Uh, I firmly believe that contractors would also donate. Lockheed, Northrop, Boeing, Dynetics, etc. They donated to restore the Pathfinder test article uh, shuttle at the rockets. I, you're right. You know what, Dustin? Uh, great point. I'm pretty sure there are folks out there that would get behind this project. And, uh, and there are probably some listening right now going, oh, geez, here comes another project. <laughs> Just another. But you know what? It's a, it's a good one. I had somebody say, why don't we sell sponsorships? They can paint right side radio up the side of the rocket. <laughs> I don't know that I have a million dollars laying around. Uh, and then uh, Tony from Piedmont says, this pump it full of cement. Oh, I see what he's saying. He says, uh, he said, this pump it full of cement. And then he says, concrete. Sorry. And he says, CBs have a can-do um, attitude. Yes, they do. All right. Uh, John from Huntsville. <laughs> There's my, so many of these texts. My, my Grinch. Uh, he <laughs> says, I'll tell you what, Phil, if a group of people claim that saving the rocket is an act of racism, then I'll support it because saving the rocket. And not only that, but I'll get a petition going. So as soon as somebody claims this is, this is racism, then, then John from John Huntsville is on. on board. All right. Uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> Uh, listen, I, I do believe, though, not only do I believe that the community would get behind it, not only do I believe that people from, you know, not just Alabama, but others would get behind it, um, not only do I believe there's a way to skin this cat, I, I think there is, uh, and I'm being serious now, I do believe, though, that it does require a legal review, because I'm sitting here looking at the verbiage of the uh, Alabama Memorial Preservation Act. It can be found, by the way, in case you are curious, it's the Alabama Memorial Preservation Act of 2017. I was proud to support it when I was in the legislature. It's found in Section 41-9-230 through 237 of the state code. Uh, it was a, a result of Senate Bill 60, which was sponsored by my friends uh, Gerald Allen in the Senate and Mac Butler, who you heard earlier in the House. Um, it, it literally states that in the event a monument has been um, on public property for a period of 40 years, that you cannot just simply remove it. Literally, it says under existing law, it prohibits architecturally significant buildings, memorial buildings, memorial streets, and monuments that are located on public property and have been so situated for 40 more years from being relocated, removed, altered, renamed, or otherwise disturbed, and provides penalties for violations. The bill would require a controlling governmental entity that replaces a memorial building to maintain the original name or erect a marker memorializing the name. Um... Well, I mean, so here's the thing. This is not a building. It's a monument. I don't know who owns it because originally it came from the Space and Rocket Center. Was it a permanent loan or was it an actual ownership now by the state? Um, I don't know. I mean, if it fell over on somebody, who gets sued? That's the question. Um, This thing has been, by the way, this law has been back and forth to court. I mean, because like I've got a copy here of an article from the Times Free Press down in Montgomery. They just want to call it the Confederate Monument Bill. 
I mean, that is so short-sighted. Because I can just tell you that if there was a street, and, and by the way, is there a city in the state that does not have Martin Luther King Boulevard? Every, every, every city has a Martin Luther King Boulevard. There's one here in Gadsden. There's one in Birmingham. There's, they're all over the place. But if there's a Martin Luther King Boulevard and someone decides to arbitrarily change the name, shouldn't that be something that's given more consideration than just any other street? I would think so. Or what about the fact that you may have a building that has historical significance, but they just want to tear it down or they want to change the name? Or how about they want to take somebody's name off of it? Is there a statue of Bear Bryant? Because <laughs> I got news. If a statue of Bear Bryant or... Um, you know, any country music star that, or anybody, or how about Muscle Shoals where we, you got, you know, the, uh, the landmark uh, uh, there of the, uh, the studio where the Swappers played for years and helped develop some of the best music in the nation's history. How about some of this stuff? How about something that memorializes uh, Hank Aaron, um, who was from Alabama? What about if we had one day the birthplace of Condoleezza Rice when she's one of the first, um, you know, really historic figures to serve at her level uh, as a black female, and somebody wants to change the name, shouldn't that be given some due? Well, this bill, this Monument Preservation Act, they wanted to make it about Confederate monuments. Why? Because that's what they do. That's all they do. They get something and they call it racism. They harp on it. Who's they? The liberal side, the progressive side, and too often the Democrat Party. But folks, listen, you're one of the few states in the nation that actually had a legislature, and I was proud to be a part of it, that went down to Montgomery, our state capitol, and we considered and we debated and we heard all the lamentations. We had public hearings. We amended the bill. We worked with the folks on the opposite side of the aisle. And, and, and Mac Butler, who was here a minute ago, State Representative Mac Butler, who carried it in the House, he points out that when it was amended, we actually got agreement with the Democrat Party for the amendment, and they allowed it to be put on uh, in such a way that kept the bill, and it moved it in a bipartisan fashion forward. So say all you want to, take it to court if you want to, call it the Confederate Monument Bill, but in this case, it may wind up being the Save the Rocket Bill <laughs> because that thing's been there for almost 44 years. And uh, wow, wouldn't that be cool? It, wouldn't it be cool, Boomer, if, if this show that I'm on generated some buzz, Save the Rocket, and part of what saved it was a bill that I was allowed to vote on when I was in the legislature? <laughs> That would be really cool. I'm just calling that a goes really around, cool. comes around right there. Absolutely. Well, all right. I know we're going to be doing some more brainstorming soon. So. Oh, Lord. We're going to put up a whiteboard and start getting <laughs> this thing going here, man. Um, hey, so coming up top of the hour, we're going to take the break here in a few minutes, and uh, we're going to come right back. Y'all remember, over time, this show, I, I, I love the, I love having the voice of, of another generation. So... Boomer and I are different age groups, right? I'm the old guy. I'm, I'm the old FUD sitting over here in the studio saying, get off the grass. And Boomer has to remind me to be hip once in a while, right? So anyway, but what I love, though, is getting perspectives that may not necessarily be what I grew up with. And, uh, and so I think, it's, I think it's hugely important that we, we have the next generation of conservatives. As we age out, the next generation of conservatives are there right behind us. Well, Boomer and the lovely McQueen are going yes. to have a new segment. We used to have we used to have Copper and the Birdman, and then it moved to Boomer and the Birdman. And then as time has progressed, we didn't have Birdman anymore with us, but now we're about to have Boomer and McQueen. It's going to be fun. Although, we got to talk about the name that we maybe oh, should have given you. Absolutely. We'll do that when we get back. <laughs> All right, you guys. Phil Williams. 
Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. Boomer and McQueen coming up next. side ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right you're listening live to right side radio with phil williams it's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side right side radio Solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, the local, the state, the national, covering down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. All right, so we we got a thing here now. All right, we in the past we had a segment because I, I really do. Like I said before the top of the hour, I'm a I'm a firm believer that my generation doesn't have all the answers, and I, and I'm also a firm believer that the things that I believe in, that Charlene and I believe in, um, some of those things we want to see passed on to the next generation, and I want to get their perspective on whether they do or don't fit. Uh, that being said. Uh, Boomer and I are of a different generation. We work great together because we see eye to eye. Boomer's got somebody in his life who we're just going to call McQueen, who's going to be coming on the air with us on a regular basis. And so without further ado, we're going to start a new segment right now where we're just going to get perspectives. I'm going to ask them some questions, and they're going to see how they do. And uh, hey, McQueen, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm psyched to be here. (laughs) You're psyched to be here? Are you nervous? No, because I'm a podcaster now. That's true. So. You are a legendary podcaster. You've you got all the skills. <laughs> you got, all right. Uh, Boomer, we got a temporary sound effect we're going to use Temporary sound effect Hit coming it. in now. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> all right, you guys. And by the way, I, I, I did say earlier that um, I realized your, your nickname on the air shouldn't have been McQueen. It should have been Shakalaka. Because uh, then it would have been Boomer Shakalaka. It would have been Boomer Shakalaka. <laughs> Oh, our son would have loved that one. He would have had. Boom shaka like Okay, hey, here's the deal. I'm going to ask you guys some questions, and I just want, I want your I want your honest thoughts. All right, and um, you know there may be times when we do this, and I'll go, I don't know, or I may look at it, and go, that's awesome. So just to see where it goes. All right. All right. So Bring here's it. here's let's the deal. Um, all right, you guys, look, y'all are both uh, the parents of two beautiful small children. Uh, I've Thank seen you. them. I can testify. <laughs> <laughs> says says the mom, um, but. Education choice, all right? In the state of Alabama, there's, there's only limited options to, if you're in public school, to get outside your zip code. I mean, you've got a little bit of opportunity for scholarship. You've got charter schools. But for the most part, education choice is somewhat limited. Um, so here's my question for you guys. Um, as parents, 
what would you like to see in Alabama regarding education and like what role should parents play in education? And um, so I'll just, who wants to start? Ladies I'll first, take I guess. It. All right, take there it, you go. Take it and run, sis. What you got? Oh, man. So how long is the segment? Like two, <laughs> three hours? Because <laughs> I am super passionate about just school and education. I mean, so much so that we just recently moved moved cross country, or I guess you know, cro- a state, cross a state, state over. <laughs> you moved past the rocket on I sixty five. That's right. Yeah, that's yes, exactly. Moved moved a state over with education playing a huge role in that. Um, and I think you know, it wasn't until we were about to have a kindergartner we realized, and it's kind of you know unnerving realizing that their teachers are going to be with them more than we are. Like they're essentially yeah. parenting them and help shape and mold them and spending more time with them than we are. And that's really scary, especially with the way schools are these days and what's going on in the majority of schools. So like we really wanted to have say in where our, you know, our son was going to school, who was going to be teaching him. And it was super important for us to have, they was going to be somewhere where he was learning truth in the truth, biblical truths and having, you know, a, a Christian, someone that loved Jesus teaching him. And not that that's always, you're going to always find that in a private school, but for us, because you're not, you don't know what you're going to get, but yeah. it was important for us to have a school that we knew what we were going to get. And that was some, somewhere that Boomer had gone and had family that had taught there and still teach there. Um, so, I mean, that's a little bit, not quite the school choice, but it really, it mattered so much that we made well, a move it was, for though. it. I mean, you guys it packed is. up, sold the house, lock, stock, and barrel. You came mm-hmm. down here to, in, in part because that was driving the train, right? Yeah, for sure. And then I think as far as like, I am huge for, for uh, school choice because, you know, it really holds schools accountable. And I feel like there's just not that accountability in public schools where, you know, all these tax dollars are going to these schools and we don't know what's what's happening with them. Um, and when you get to say, like, I'm sending my child here, my money is going there. I mean, that money talks and that's going to hold the schools accountable. It's going to create competition. I mean, academically in sports, so many things yeah. that I think is so critical, especially in this day and age with the way how schools are progressing very quickly. I'll jump in there. Yeah, so jump jump on in, bro. So, yeah, all all about the school choice thing. I'll look at it as well as, you know, every child is different and they every child has different needs. And obviously these schools, some of them that aren't um, doing as well as others and they're not striving to do well just because they already know they're going to get their money. Uh, um, I, you, know, you know, so it's like, come on, let me let me take my child to somewhere that's that they need to do that. They that I know because it's my child. I know they need something specific. So you like so the let free me take market, them, like the free market. Yeah, that's the way I look at it. Well, okay, so let me ask you guys this. I mean, I can already anticipate the answer now because I, I kind of heard the sentiment as you were talking about what you look for for your own kids. Um, so in the realm of school choice, a lot of times the discussion comes back to what rights do parents have. Mm. Um, and so, you know, talk to me about that. What in, in, in public school in general, should the school have the final say on what is best for the child or should the parents have the final say? And so which one do you want to go first? I'll go that? first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I, jump- didn't, I didn't even get a fight I'm, for that one. I'm jumping <laughs> in because there's been so many times even on this show that we've talked about some of these schools not, I mean, going behind the parents' back and not mm-hmm. letting them know what they're yeah. discussing with the children and pushing on the children and teaching the children without the parents knowing. And some of these parents actually find out about it and they go to bat for it and take... Like they go to those schools and I don't remember where it was, but there was this one lady that went to a, a, a school, uh, like a school board, a meeting? school board meeting. Mm-hmm. And she just 
ripped them and it was awesome because I, we need to know as parents what you're teaching our kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. and like like we said, they they're spending more time with these teachers and at school than they are at home with us, which is scary. And I think it used to be, yeah, everyone had their best interests in mind. So teachers, they did make those final calls, or you know, if they were sick, they were going to make the medical call. I don't want to make it a medical call now, no. not when they're going to vaccinate a child without you knowing or who knows mm-hmm. what, and have conversations and, that you're oh, not aware of. Okay. And as a uh, sorry, no, and ahead. as a teacher, and you know, as a school, you don't. I mean, you know how much you mean to these children. These children look up to you because mm-hmm. as a as a parent, I let you go to this school and I tell you, hey, listen to your teacher. Your teacher knows. I mean, man, these teachers have such an impact on these kids. They do. Oh, they adore their teachers. So, so let, let me ask you this then. Um, I hear y'all talking, all right? I'm sitting here talking to Boomer McQueen. I know your heart. I can, I can, see, I can see the way you're raising your kids. I mean, I literally see it because I see your kids. But um, speak to it from your generation. Does your generation share that sentiment, or are y'all anomalies within your generation? I think our generation, some some of them are blind to it. Mm-hmm. And now that it's starting to come out that some of these states are going to this school choice and saying, oh, we have a choice of where our kids go to school, what kind of education they get. Um, this is pretty awesome because I didn't know about it as a, as a parent either. Yeah. I I'd say it's kind of like a newer concept to me too. And I think, I think a lot of people do share these thoughts and these feelings. And I think the people that don't, it's because they're, they just haven't been like educated on it or they're not aware or they don't want to look different and they're trying to, you know, cause a scene or something like that. But I think Mm. it's just kind of a not, not knowing, not really being educated on it. Okay, everything so, that's involved in it. All right, so the reality is the word needs to get out. Mm-hmm, but I, sure. I can say that about any generation, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, but you guys are also what I would call the parenting generation right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, Charlene and I, we're empty nesters. You know, we're, we're, we're grandparents now. But you guys, you guys are the parenting generation, the same as my own kids uh, right now, because uh, you all are about their age. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, uh, all right, well, I'll tell you what, that... That's good stuff. Now, I guess there's more to come. Let's do this, but we're going to take the break right now. I want to awesome. come back, though, and I want to keep that train of thought going. What does your generation need from my generation to advance the principles that we care about? Sounds good. Oh. Good one. Oh. All right, folks. Bill Williams, Right Side Radio, sitting here with Boomer and McQueen. Oh, this is good stuff. We'll be right back. We're back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama, solid, conservative, just plain right. All right, we're doing a new segment. We're going to keep this thing going. I can, I can just tell you already we're going to keep this thing going. Um, Boomer and McQueen. All right, so Boomer and the lovely McQueen are in studio right now, and, and basically they come from a generation that I'm not. All right, so they are, they are the next generation of conservatives uh, coming up. Here's my question for you guys, all right? All right, so y'all are both... 30-something conservatives, right? 
Yes. Sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That wasn't really a question. It was more like a statement <laughs> of fact. But anyway, but what? Is, all right. So what is what is my generation? What does my generation need to do or not do to like encourage your generation from the broad perspective uh, to carry that mantle forward? I mean, what what do we need to do to you know build more Boomer McQueens? I guess. Um, who's first? Uh, I will go if McQueen does not want to. I'll go. There we go. Awesome. All right. So I believe, you know, for for my generation and the generation below me, uh, for y'all to be able to mentor us in conservatism, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that would be the word, um, just be, be willing and open. I mean, a lot of us may not want to necessarily just jump in and talk about it because we get a lot of our... A lot of our um, information, you know, from the social media aspect, and you, it's not always right because, like we talk about on this show, they only give you the brief synopsis and not even the accurate ones on um, social media. Right. So we need to know. Well, you bring a point, though. So uh, are, you, are you basically saying communicate where y'all communicate? Yeah, communicate where we communicate. Be be. Be open. Ask us, hey, what do you? What about this situation? And we'll tell you because we saw it on social media. I, and then you'll be like, oh, but did you know about this? I, I heard a judge, and I think it's a great point. I heard a judge uh, from the bench one day. And it, I wasn't in the courtroom. I heard about it. Um, and this has been years ago, you know, when texting was really getting going. Mm-hmm. And, and, and kids were doing that newfangled texting thing, <laughs> you know. And, and the judge asked a parent uh, in, a, in a serious, you know, interfamily dispute, do you text? No, sir, I don't text that. Well, start. And what he was basically saying was, you're here complaining about your kid not listening to you, and you don't communicate the way they communicate. Yeah. So maybe it's partly you. Mm. Um, all right, I get that. So yeah, just what, start communicating your, the way we do. Your thoughts, McQueen? What are you, what are you thinking? Yeah, How do I we mean, I, the next round? I definitely agree with that. And I think just kind of, you know, obviously we don't want to be, like, told. Like, we're, I think we're that generation that doesn't want to, like, want to be told what to do. We have to kind of learn it our way. Yeah. And sometimes it takes falling on your face, but I don't feel like we have the – we can afford to fall on our face with the, how quickly things are changing and progressing. Like, we can't, like f- – get that far behind um but yeah like coming you know meeting us where we're at telling i think through stories because i feel like a lot of people become conservatives as they get older because now they're living through something that like for instance like i mean even you know abortion and stuff like that always been anti-abortion always felt very strongly about human life but oh gosh until you when you hold your your own baby in your arms for the first time that human life is so yeah. much like it's just bl- multiplied exponentially, and I get it more than I did when I was, you know, fifteen. Even though I cared about it, so I feel like so much it's you kind of almost become more conservative as you get as you get older and live through some of the things. So being able to hear things like through stories, so that even if we haven't experienced it, we can be passionate about it before we're actually there. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. No, I think that's a huge sense because what you're saying is that life happens. And it's nice to know that somebody else can talk to you about life that happens. And not everybody has yeah. that, by the way. I had a great, I still have a great support network. I had family who I could talk to. I, had, of course, Charlene and I married real young, and we just figured stuff out. But, um, but, but not everybody has that luxury. Yeah. So, um, yep. you you said mentoring a minute ago, uh, Boomer. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Uh, so I, I would I would hazard this. I I remember when I was y'all's age, uh, and I was working for Young Life, which is a ministry, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were these guys who had been in Young Life for 50 years. They were considered like emeritus kind of member. And wow. I, just, I used to just want to sit there and just listen to them talk. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, so y'all have been there, done that. 
tell me what happens. Yeah. How does this work? And, and what um, to expect It's those life experiences that we love to hear exactly. about, because guess what? We're going through the same things y'all went through. Yeah. And it, being available or having those life experiences and like those, that, talking and being available without us having to ask because sometimes we don't even know what to ask or that we need to ask something or like learn about something so so how do you make yourself available if someone doesn't already have if they're not asking what do you do hello i'm gonna knock on your door i want to talk to you uh, but... i'm gonna have town hall meetings about this <laughs> well you know there's that and i and i i'll be honest with you i do feel like the progressive side of socio-cultural um discussions does a better job sometimes at reaching the younger generation. I don't know why that is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if conservatism is seen as stodgy, but conservatism is the thing that keeps outlasting all the liberal fads. Yeah, it's so um, true. Wow. Yeah. All right, we got about three and a half minutes. Um, so the next question I was going to ask you is, what question would you ask me? Ooh, Ooh I got to go on. Oh right, Lord, go yeah, first. I, she was, she was I ready am for scared that. of this to be honest with you. The <laughs> fact that she jumped on that one is a okay. What you got? All right, so. Let's say, you know, Biden, I mean, all sorts of stuff going on. He's impeached. You, Me. Mr. Williams, are next in line and you are the president. What do you do first? Are you, are you putting me in the line of succession to be president to follow President Biden? Yes, wow. you are. You're, yeah, you're next. Tag, you're it. Well, first what of all, is that the means I had to have been do? as vice president. There ain't no way that's ever going to happen. Well, you know, all the, I don't know what happened to all these other people, but you're, it's you. You got, you got the call. So what would be, what would be your first, like, first or second, like, plan of attack? Good Lord. Wow, she, she asks real wow. questions. Okay, I, I got think, a little. Were you going to ask like what kind you like to steak cooked or something? Yeah. <laughs> I think you know. I, here, here's the thing. I think one of the very first things that I would do is signify, like openly speak about the fact that I do believe that constitutional rights and civil liberties they have meaning, and and I know that sounds trite. You, you can almost you can almost say, well, yeah, they do. But Biden has said no, they don't. He has constantly been actually saying out loud, I mean, the inside words become the outside words with him, that there is no, you know, the Second Amendment has never been absolute. You know, he, he's constantly saying, you know, like the, the vaccine mandate, well, my advisors have told me I probably can't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I think one of the first things that has to be reestablished is, you know what, the office of the presidency, it will honor the Constitution and the civil liberties that people enjoy in this country more than anything. And I think the next thing I do is build a big old freaking wall on the southern border. Hmm. And, yes. And, and, mm. and so, yeah, set a tone, I think, is important. Um, and, and, and tell people uh, it's not about me. It's not about, it's not about this office. It's about what this office is here to serve. Mm. And, oh, by the way, part of what we're here to serve is, is you know, uh, the generation that's supposed to be here, not the ones who are flooding across the border and draining the system, who, by the way, if they want to come here legally, great. But you know what? If you're going to keep just you know dragging yourself across the Rio Grande in the in the thousands, we can't sustain that. Yeah. Um, so I would I would uh, I would say reestablish the 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 not notion but the absolute that the Constitution means something. It's immutable. And then secondly, divert everything I've got to securing our southern border uh, before anything else happens. That's mm. going to have happen. Yeah, I think those absolutely. two right there are That's top awesome. of my list. You got you got my vote. All right. Hmm. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. McQueen <laughs> says I can be the president now. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, how much time we got? Well, we got we're... like 15 seconds. So oh, I, I guess I will. Uh, You'll hold your question. I'll just hold it. It's all good. All right. Well, hey, listen, I appreciate both you guys more than you could possibly know. And, and uh, I, I feel certain we're going to do this segment again. What do you think? I'm, I'm all about it. I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> all right. Can't Thursdays. Wait. I suspect you'll see Thursdays, 4 p.m., 
Boomer and McQueen. We got to get you guys your own sound effect, though. Yeah, we'll, we'll work, work on it. Yeah, we'll work on that. All right. Yep. All right. Appreciate y'all. <laughs> All right, folks. Bill Williams, Right Side Radio. Coming right back. Number three on the Triple Dipper. Learning how to speak like a liberal. Oh, you're going to want to hear this. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And we are back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just Plain right. Covering down on some ground across the great state of Alabama. I'm talking about this show goes way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, back from Tuscaloosa, over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi thrown in just for good measure. Um, Hey, listen, by the way, uh, y'all hear me talk about Just Love Coffee Cafe all the time. All right. Great coffees. You've got the award-winning dry roast. They can grind the beans fresh, make you a steaming cup of black coffee. But then they've also got what Charlene calls the treat coffees. You've got the ca- cappuccinos, the lattes, the espressos. Their menu, I talk about their menu all the time. The menu is good food that is unique. It is different. It is, it is something you're going to, you know, you're going to get and you're going to go, why have I not known about this before? I mean, like sandwiches and wraps and and then breakfast food. And oh, by the way, I want to make sure you knew, I just thought about this. I've never said it before. They've got a kid's menu that'll knock your socks off. So like if you're going down there and you're thinking, I really want one of those giant womlets, the big omelet with everything in the world in it, including tater tots. They cook it in a waffle iron. So it's got this huge kind of lumpy textured feel. Yeah, that's, your kids may not want a womlet, but they can have piggy dips. That's two pig dippers. Scrambled eggs, choice of syrup or grape jelly. You can have the wakey waffle. It's a half waffle side of sausage. They got chicken tenders with chips or fruit. I mean, I'm talking about they got a whole kid's menu. So I just thought, you know what? As I'm talking about Just Love Coffee Cafe, because I love that place. I love both locations, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. Uh, I got to thinking all I've ever talked about is what I would call the grown-up food. Please know They not only have all the artisan waffles and the other things you can eat, the sandwiches and the wraps, they got a kid's menu that'll work you just right. So, yeah, take the whole family down there, all ages. Just Love Coffee Cafe, two locations, Hughes Road in Madison, South Parkway in Huntsville. Got some great texts a moment ago. We just had uh, one that came in. um, Yeah, uh, new texter, by the way. Glad you're on the line with us, John from Athens. So John from Athens has texted in about the rocket. He says, With my job, I get to meet people moving to Alabama from all over the United States. Once in a while, someone makes a derogatory comment about our state. I just ask them, what does your welcome center look like? They say, what? I say, well, people come to our state. Well, what does your welcome center look like? Because mine has a rocket. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Nice. Uh, John from Huntsville says uh, McQueen gets an A+. plus. 
Thank you, John. McQueen got an A plus. But nice. McQueen got an A plus. Um, day one. Day one. She, she made it past John from Huntsville. That's good stuff. That is. All right. Um, then we got uh, had another one here. Uh, where'd it go? Where'd it go? Oh, yeah. Um, Jeff from Indiana enjoyed hearing y'all's perspectives. And then um, we also had uh, JT from Lacey Springs. Mr. President, <laughs> enjoyed the Boomer McQueen segment. Thank y'all. All right, listen, uh, I got to jump into this next thing here. Because, you know, like any of y'all who've been to a foreign country, you know how beneficial it is to be able to speak a little bit of the language. You know, like, donde esta el baño? Where is the bathroom? All right. I can say that in multiple languages. Tashnapkajaz. That's where is the bathroom <laughs> in Afghanistan? That's, uh, you know, uh, uh, that's, uh, that's it in German. How many times, how many ways can I say? I just realized I really can't ask for the going. bathroom in multiple languages. Um, but, you know, it's good sometimes to know what the other folks around you are saying. I'll never forget, by the way, in Afghanistan, we're, 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 you know, out in the middle of nowhere, and all we had was civilian vehicles. So I'm, I'm, I'm rocking the beard, you know, and rolling down the road. And I think at that particular point, I was either driving in an old Russian UAS Jeep or, or in a, in a Toyota 4Runner. Either way, one of my interpreters in the back seat, he's saying something about me. And I turned around. I said, "All right, Weiss, I know you said this, this, and this about me. What was the rest of it?" He looked at me. and Goes, "Oh, sir, your Daria is getting very good. <laughs> it's, it's helpful." Well, it's also helpful, folks, when you're a conservative to understand what freaking liberals are saying because they make up new words every day. I mean, I've got – how many pages is this, Boomer, when I, when I got this thing together? Oh, there, there's a lot there. I've got it's – a, it's a one, two, I got four, I got – that's five, and I got another – good Lord. I've got 17 pages of woke diversity, inclusion <laughs> – glossary terms. I mean, it's just like I'm holding it up to the camera, two articles spanning 17 pages, I believe it is. Um, just literally giving you a full on glossary. I can work my way through the alphabet, but when you hear things like the story that I've got, uh, from the Washington examiner dated January 17th, two days ago, when you look at stories like this one, where governor Youngkin up in Virginia is trying to basically deal with the fact that you got the Fairfax County Public Schools, and now we find out maybe up to 16 different schools that were withholding information about the kids having been awarded a National Merit Scholar status. Why were they doing it? Well, it dealt with our equitable guidelines for fairness and grading. What does that even mean? How do you go down that road? How do you get there? Well, there's one case study. How about this? Well, we have a hyper-focus now on diversity, equity, and inclusion because what is DEI? How do I get there? Well, in, in this article from Forbes talks about the fact that DEI is a thing that they say, well, you know, it's got issues about diversity, equity, and inclusion, which uh, uh, could mean that an agree to disagree is problematic. And, you know, we certainly can't guarantee division within an organization could ever be dealt with fully, but we might want to – whatever. The verbiage, y'all. The verbiage of a liberal. We, we got an article here from National Review, January 17th. How the equity mania is killing demand for prestige degrees, meaning you're literally looking at equity, the desire for killing the idea of being able to give, be given access to a degree because they're too busy trying to fill quotas on their, all their intersectionalities. What's an intersectionality? So listen, 
I've got this glossary of terms. I thought it might be important for us to go through some of the words. Boomer, I'm going to test you on some of this. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> I don't know that you are. I bro. don't think I am ready. I don't know that anybody's ready. <laughs> like, for instance, I could start in the A's. Starts off with ableism. You know what ableism is? Um, Abe Lincoln. No, that would not be right. <laughs> ableism, the belief that yeah, the belief in Abraham Lincoln. No, ableism, the belief that disabled individuals are inferior to non-disabled individuals, leading to discrimination toward and oppression of individuals with disabilities. Could their definition ableism. be any longer and more confusing? Well, okay. How about while we're in the A's? How about acculturation? Culture, just a, a culture. Um, defining moment. I don't. I have no clue. <laughs> I don't know what you just said. <laughs> the general phenomenon of persons learning the nuances of and being initiated into a culture. It may also carry a negative connotation when referring to the attempt by one dominant cultural group to acculturate members of the other cultural groups. So being accepted. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. How about this? Bame. B a m e. You ever heard of Bame? No, I've heard of Bane off of Batman, but it's, it's not a, Bame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Bame, a term that exploded in popularity a few years ago, which stands for black, Asian, and minority ethic. Basically, it means not white. Dude's Bame. Wow, that dude's Bame. That dude's Bame. Yeah, okay. How about Bopo? Bopo. Bopo, not Popo. Bo- um, Bopo. B-O-P-O. Uh, Body positivity. Oh. Man, I was way off. The acronym for body positivity, a movement that celebrates the human body in all of its forms and rejects the idea that everyone should strive to conform to society's narrow ideals. <laughs> narrow, <laughs> narrow ideals. How about, how about bro-propriate? Uh, I haven't even gotten out of the bees yet. I'm not even going to try. Bro-propriate. Bro it's when a bro, it's when a guy, a dude. Uh, it says, basically, <laughs> this is when a man takes a woman's idea and soaks up all the glory from it. That's, oh, that's, why is it? I mean, a dude who would do that to a woman would do that to a dude too. Yeah, if, all, all you're doing bro, there, bro, po- bro, appropriate, bro, appropriate. It's so yeah. And then there's one of our favorites, cis. Uh, cis white male. Cis white male. That's we, I need <laughs> we a know that one. I need a t-shirt. <laughs> I need my cis white male t-shirt. I am a cis white male. Proud to be a cis white male. Proud. Okay. <laughs> it just you know. Proud that God made me a cis white male. Yes. How about that? Um, all right, I okay, look through. All right, uh, it was, how about? Well, let's see here. I'm gonna I'm gonna move forward to the G. How about greenwashing? You know what greenwashing is? Something about the Green New Deal. You're right. Oh, I just figured green. All right, greenwashing though. Put, uh, put it together. Save the water because it's... no. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> greenwashing. So greenwashing is when you pretend that your company does a lot for oh. green policies, but it really doesn't. You're just posturing, and so it's called so greenwashing. So you have a better ESG scored. Exactly. Ah. Dude, you went to the E's already. Oh, man. So ESG score, you just enabled it. Environmental social governance. All right, uh, pick a letter. Oh, uh, let's go. Well, what did we just do? Let's, let's, do you have an M? An M, I do. How about, um, hmm, I could go microaggressions. I could go model minority. I could go monoracial. How about monoracial? Monoracial, yes. Monoracial, to be only of one race. <laughs> Why do they got to have a term? Now, uh, the funny thing would be is if you tried to put all these in a sentence. Okay, I got sentences. Oh. I'm already prepared. Oh. I have, I have literally, <laughs> I've literally combed through these glossaries of woke terms. And, and pick another letter, by the way. 
Uh, uh, P. Oh, I was just at the P's. How about um, how about pansexual? Whoa. Uh, Can I say that on the air? I don't. I guess it's a liberal term. You know what it is. <laughs> I'm not even going to guess. Nobody knows what it is. It's a term <laughs> referring to the potential for sexual attractions or romantic love towards people of all gender identities and biological sexes. In other words... So love everyone. You got no barriers. You <laughs> no are attracted barriers. to everything. If it lives and breathes, you're attracted to it. Pansexual. Good Lord. Pick another one for the break, and then I'm going to come back. I got to build some sentences because... Let's go S. S? Oh, S. I bet there's a lot in the S's. There's so much in the S's. <laughs> How about the social self-view? Social self-view. Looking oh, at myself in a... I've been examining my social self-view. <laughs> an individual's perception about which social identity groups they belong to. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My gosh, i got to have a name for everything. All right, all right uh, pick one more letter and we'll go to the break. How about that? All right. Uh, let's go T. Let's T. go right down it. Mm-hmm. Just, just right there. How about transgressive? Um, you're, you're aggressive at trans... People, <laughs> <laughs> don't be transgressive. I, <laughs> transgressive, I, I, challenging the accepted expectations and/or rules of the appropriateness of poli- polite society. <laughs> what does that even mean? Wow. Tra- challenging the accepted expectations and/or rules of the appropriateness of. They were polite sitting society. there writing this these new words out, and it's like, let's just make it really confusing. Oh my gosh! All right, tell you what, I I have I have. Well, let's take a break, Boomer. I have. I have fabricated sentences. I literally, <laughs> I, can't wait. I have, I have what I would call the wokest of the woke sentences you may have ever heard. Where I take the glossary, teaching y'all how to speak liberal. I have now combined them into actual phraseology. It's the next step in learning the language. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama, solid conservative and just plain right. Hey, um, listen, before I go any further, as we're wrapping up the day here, I got to tell you, my friends at Riley and Jack, and they are, by the way, they're my friends. We were exchanging emails this morning about some stuff. But Riley and Jackson Law Firm out of Birmingham, uh, they are good at what they do, y'all. And, and I like to say, by the way, they're a firm that is not just good on the law, they're good on politics, too, if you know what I mean. That being said, Riley and Jackson, they've got decades of experience at making people whole because of the negligence of others. You've heard me talk about the fact they're working on that Camp Lejeune water contamination. They've also been working on a uh, carcinogenic firefighting foam uh, uh, lawsuit. And so you may have been impacted by both of those. You can call them and find out whether or not you qualify. But here's the thing. They're, they're, They're more than that. And they operate statewide. If you are somebody who has been aggrieved in some way, whether it be a personal injury or a contract matter or something that has happened to you or to a family member and you need consultation, listen, Riley and Jackson, they will not charge you for the call. They will examine your case and they only get paid if you get paid. So here's the thing. You can call them anytime. The number, I'm about to give it to you, 205-879-5000. 
That's Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. They will tell you if they have a case. And like I said, they only get paid if you get paid. And by the way, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. I would certainly appreciate that. All right, let's listen. Uh, I got to tell you, I, I just got some. Uh, I got some text here in a minute ago. Glenn from Bluntsville. So we're, right now we're doing a segment right now that I'm calling "Learning to Speak Like a Liberal." I've got I got an actual glossary of terms. We can pick a letter and go through it, and it's like a dictionary. It's got all the woke terms in it. I don't. Where did I get this? I think I got it from um, uh, Pacific Coast University or something like that. It's but total, I got like 17 pages of stuff. It, it was a lot of pages. I burned some paper. I was like, wow, that's a. I'm that's not throwing lot. this that's away. A, that's I'm gonna, a dictionary. I'm going to hang on to this one. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to hang on to this one. We, we might need this again one day, Boomer. We may need it. All right. I, so Go through all these woke words. So uh, <laughs> Glenn from Bluntsville just texted in. He says, uh, with regards to learning foreign languages, I can order food and a beer and get us in trouble in several languages. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, uh, uh, Jim from Madison says, are you planning the trip to San Francisco or Seattle with all this woke speech? What camouflage would you wear to hide your toxic masculinity? <laughs> By the way, that- you know, this would be, this is actually really good for our California audiences listening. So they, they understand what these words are meaning. That's right. And they hear it. That's right. Some of you conservatives out there in California, you need to know how to, how to speak to the rest of your state. <laughs> <laughs> we don't cotton to that around here. We just, we just look at you and go, you ain't from around here. Here's your boy. No, um, but, uh, Come on over here, son. Let me give you a little wall-to-wall counseling. Uh, but and then, and then Brad from Limestone County just texted in. What did he say? He said, oh, I can't read that. That's a long one. Uh, he was talking about the rocket. I th- well, I can't even. No, he's not. Okay, I can't get to all of his texts because it's so long. And for some reason, it's filled with all kinds of little, like, like emoji. Mis- <laughs> anyway, um, okay. Brad, I apologize. I can't get to that one. Here's the deal. I took the glossary. We ran the terms. Like, Boomer, give me one more letter. What, what, what's, what's, an exa- what's a letter? You just uh, pick one. I, I, do it in. An in. In is in November. In. Yes. Um, how about, well, of course, everybody's heard this one, non-binary, gender, queer, gender variant. <laughs> I just, really? Oh, Lord. Yeah. Terms used by some people who experience their gender identity and or gender expression as falling outside the categories of man or woman. Hmm. Yeah. They're, they're not anything. They're not anything. They're just non-binary. That's why they use they, them as their pronouns, because they're not a he or a she or a her or a him, whatever. How about uh, neoliberalism? Whoa. Yeah, that sounds official. A substantial subjugation and marginalization of policies and practices informed by the values of social justice and equity. My God. <laughs> wow. My God. I don't know where you to know, go. You know, it'd be fun is to do one of these words and just put it out there one a day or something like that and say, hey, what do you think this means? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's not a bad idea. We could social media that Social thing. media. That'd be kind of fun. See well, what everybody's thoughts are. I, I like that idea. Yeah. Because right. I obviously didn't get any of them right. Well, <laughs> then again, I had the luxury of reading them, so that's why I got them right. Oh. All right. Let's make some sentences. You ready? Yes. All right, so so you know, learning the vocabulary, and the grammatical inferences, and uh, the structure of grammar in different languages is also important. <laughs> but then you got to know how to string them together. So the next step step in learning a foreign language is the ability to converse, and to converse, you have to then string the word together. So let's try a few. You ready? Please. <laughs> okay. Like here's one. I'll just say. I'll just. I'll just tell you, man. I'll tell you. 
I think I have to tell you with passion because I'm pretty sure this is a passionate statement. All right. You cis white males keep appropriating the best efforts of various intersectional BIPOC identities, resulting in the most basic of ableisms. Did you, did you get that? Yeah. You cis white males are just weird. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all keep, what that basically was was you keep stealing our ideas. That's what that was. That uh, was yeah. That's you, what I, yeah. I figured. You straight dudes keep stealing our ideas. <laughs> See, okay, so you cis white males keep bro-appropriating the best efforts of various intersectional BIPOC identities, resulting in the most base ableisms. Oh. I did that. I strung that together. How about this one? This is my favorite. You ready? Yes. My friend Karen is a monoracial, multicultural, feminist, tra- pansexual person of color who advocates for post-racial safe spaces. My friend Karen... Is a monoracial, <laughs> multicultural, feminist, pansexual person of color who advocates for post-racial safe spaces. She just wants a safe space. <laughs> and if you won't utilize my pronouns and stop referring to my assigned sex, then it will lead me to feel marginalized to the extent that I may have to disinvite you from my brave space. <laughs> brave space. Go look that one up. All right, folks. Learn to speak like a liberal. It's how you get by sometimes in certain places around this country. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Boomer and I back here tomorrow, too. You guys have an amazing night. Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.